So I would like to thank you all for joining this uh, particularly interesting panel. All the panels of our forum are very interesting. Uh, and this particular panel is going to be focusing on LNG. Is LNG an intermediate or a long-term option? Um, I am gratified to have with us uh, a group of panelists uh, from across the spectrum, uh, many stakeholders, um, fuel providers, owners, um, and uh, this is going to be a particularly interesting discussion. Uh, I will uh, turn it over to Mr. Zolotas uh, from RENA to moderate, and he's going to introduce our uh, panelists. Again, from my point of view, thank you very much for joining. Uh, I look forward to a, a terrific panel. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you very much for this opportunity to moderate this absolutely interesting panel, as you said. I think all, all panels of this decarbonization forum of Capital Link are interesting, and I think will draw a lot of attention. It's a very hot topic for everybody. A lot of questions are around. Many things have been discussed already in the previous panels, and we've heard a lot of interesting things about new regulations, about existing regulations, about uh, solutions, CEXI, all this uh, tsunami of, of regulations that we have to face and challenges we have to face in the future. There are technical measures, operational measures to be taken, a lot of ways to arrive to the final destination that we have towards to, to 2050. We as RINA, as other classification societies do, follow a lot of interesting projects around the globe where vessels are being built, new ideas on new fuels, new engines. Maybe sometimes we'll create confusion by this uh, pluralism, let's say, of, of, of things that we, we follow, but nevertheless, we have to be there. Operational measures is another important and key aspect, and we have important companies here that would tell us also this aspect, which is very important. I have on my background our fleet operations center, a digital solution that probably could assist on this goal from the operational side, and we are being all transformed in that way. So the question we have to, to, to answer to, uh, to our audience today, it is if it, this is a transitional solution, LNG is transitional or not. Uh, what, what I think is everything on this planet or probably the universe is transitional, everything is moving, everything is um, being transformed. Also fuel for shipping has not been always the same. The question is how long this transition could be. We are definitely on a crossroad and many decisions are not being taken. Uh, and we have two options, either we stay steady or we move forward somehow. We think that LNG can be a way ahead and can really bring some benefits to the environment in the short term while we go forward in the long term. It's the cleanest fossil fuel fuel up to now with 20% of um, carbon emissions. It can be uh, also produced on biosynthetics or even be carbon neutral, possibly in the future when prices also will make it more and we will hear some more probably news of that. There is infrastructure for bank carrying transport. We know how to handle it, but nevertheless, decisions to build vessels on LNG are not taken in a broad, let's say, way. We have, uh, um, although it is almost 40 years probably now that uh, we are discussing for this infrastructure. So what are the reasons? I think uh, we will have, uh, not, not from me, but directly for who have taken these decisions, uh, these kind of uh, answers today to see what, um, what they have done. And I would like to present, uh, although we have very limited time, so uh, I would like to 
to take the, the least time possible to present our, our panel of today. Uh, we have four representatives of major shipping companies managing vessels of, of all kinds, including vessels with LNG uh, as fuel. And I would like to welcome Peter Liu, who is a global director, business development, joint venture, uh, venture management of AET. Good afternoon, Peter. Farid Trad is the Vice President Bankering and Energy Transition for CMA Suzanne. Good afternoon, Farid. Uh, Ms. Lois Abrowski, Chief Executive Officer of International Seaways. Good morning, Lois. Uh, Mrs. Weinstein, President and CEO of NYK Group Europe. Hello, everyone. Hello. Fine. Then we have from the side of uh, supply, we have Shell and Tahir Farakoui, which is manager of downstream for uh, LNG for Shell. Welcome, Tahir. And Matthias Jensen, which is representing the technical side of engine providers and system providers, is director of fuel and gas supply systems. Welcome, Matthias, as well. So um, we will try to provide with this panel some insights regarding technical, operational, financial aspects, some uh, regulatory problems, even the human element regarding all these kind of things we are going to discuss. But I would like to open the floor to discussion about a thing that everybody would like to to listen from who has taken such decisions. Uh, so I would like to, to ask all four, um, probably starting from Lois, as is the lady in the, in the panel. Lois, if you would like to give us an overview to tell us about your projects of uh, dual fuel LNG vessels. What are, wh what are they? What is your uh, strategy on that? What have been the key factors that led you to such a decision? Any problems? Steve, thanks. Very good, Th thank you, Spiros. It's great to be here today. At, at International Seaways, you know, we had decided some time ago that you know, we would not be ordering any tankers uh, with conventional fuel. So for us, it, it was uh, you know, really fortuitous, uh, the vision and that Shell has with you know, LNG as a fuel going forward. And you know, for us to be a part, we have two of our partners on the phone here today. So, you know, uh, when Shell approached us, you know, that uh, for us was the culmination of you know a long-term relationship with Shell and doing a lot of time charters with them to collaborate on a project uh, to do three of, of the ten uh, dual-fuel VLCCs. So, I mean, at their heart, they're, they're still VLCCs, but the dual-fuel technology. Um, you know, Shell's uh, low methane slip engine and, you know, the collaboration between three different owners and ourselves, you know, has, has really been, um, I, I think, one of the best uh, ways, you know, you normally our business is extremely competitive, but I think the vision that Shell had of, you know, designing this project really brought together the ability to um, have a risk, a shared risk reward profile. And, you know, we're only in the early days of our project. We're, you know, we're paired with Daiwu, who are highly experienced, highly competent, you know, number one shipping yard in the world. So, you know, as we head into our project and are, you know, going through the design plan review and the vessels that we've ordered will deliver uh, in, in very early 2023. 
And these ships will be, you know, 40% more efficient than a 10-year-old VLCC today. So when you look at it and you have an over 800 uh, strong vessel in the VLCC fleet, and you look at delivering ships that are 40% are more efficient than a 10-year-old vessel, you can see that this uh, for international seaways is really a step change on um, that road to decarbonization. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Rose, very much, very clear. I would like to, to ask the same to Peter. Peter, you have also placed some orders for VLCCs, uh, I, I, I think, and you have also other vessels. Can you tell us about your projects? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Sparos, and uh, thank you, Capitoling, for having uh, me uh, in the panel. Um, first of all, let me congratulate uh, Luisa for taking the bold step to join the, uh, the, the LNG community, if you will. And, uh, and AET, uh, yes, we do have uh, two vessels, uh, sorry, four vessels under operations now, which are LNG dual fuel. And uh, we have under constructions now five uh, vessels, three of which, as Luis had just mentioned just now, we joined it uh, together in collaboration with Shell and with Daegu. Um, really, uh, the decisions for, for us in AET is, is practically very simple. It, it, it premised on the three uh, triple bottom line concept the people, the planets, and the profits. Um, and uh, we, AET, we, we adapted this concept as part of our uh, sustainability agenda uh, since like, 2017. Uh, that's when we built our first two dual fuel uh, Alphamex. And we have not looked back ever since then. Um, um, we, we believe in LNG. And our question is why LNG? Uh, I think it is a very simple uh, answer is what else is available out there? What else is really practical out there? Um, LNG as a few technologies is not a new technology anymore. We have been there for a long time and it had been perfected over the years and uh, it had been time tested and it had been proven to, to be profitable. So why not? And uh, as to echo what Luis says, it is, it is reducing carbon. Well, we can, continue to wait for the perfect few, but when it will be available. So I would tell, but nonetheless, we are not we are not taking our eye away. We are still pursuing like other owners, but at the same time, uh, we, we feel that we have the obligations to act. And um, and it, it goes according to our agenda. And, and that is that is how we make the decisions. And we are, we are thankful to all our partners shipyards, the, the operators, um, the, uh, the, the charters, and even the, the LNG producers. Um, it, it, it need the collaborations. It, it can't be done by oneself in order to satisfy the agenda, the triple bottom line, so to say, the people, the planet, and equally important, the profit as well. We are not here for, for love and sunshine as a company. We are here to, 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 to also look at the bottom line, but there's also equally important bottom line of the planet and the people that we have to put our focus on. Thank you, Peter. Very clear. And uh, of course, as, as you said, yes, this, either you stay steady or you move forward. So you are taking a decision to move and do something now. And I know that Swine as well um, has a vision on that. And the NYK is doing a lot of, of uh, it's a big group that is doing a lot of uh, is elaborating, I would say, or testing a lot of solutions. But I know he has a vision as regards Swine. Would you like to tell us? about your ideas for this kind of solution, this crossroad that we are 
Yes, Piros, thank you again for inviting me to, to this conference. And, uh, and uh, again, I can only uh, echo what uh, Luis and, and Peter is talking about. Uh, my view is very simple. If you stand still in today's world, you simply move backwards. And um, over the decades, we've seen that too few people or many people have uh, simply acted too late, whether you go back in history from sail to steam and steam to diesel and, and diesel ultimately to, to, to now, now to what. So we all recognize that this little marble of, of, of ours, it needs to be protected and we play, play a very big part in this, this overall equation. And uh, what baffles me is that when we have known technology, um, which the LNG propulsion is, it really baffles me that people are not getting on that bandwagon. In NYK, we, we acknowledge the fact that LNG is the bridge, which I've been talking about many, on many occasions. We know, don't know how long that bridge is. That it all depends on, on development, technical development. People are today talking about ammonia, hydrogen, and what have you, but these, these technologies are not fully developed today. So rather than sitting back waiting, uh, waiting for something which is totally perfect, why aren't we doing what we can do uh, only to then add to, to what we're trying to achieve? So in NYK, we, we, we do this. We, we are planning to build another 50 vessels uh, on, uh, with LNG or dual propulsion. We will add battery technology to, 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 to do the necessary shaving. We know for a fact and studies we've made in CLNG is that we can have a saving of up to or reduction of up to 20 to 25% uh, CO2 emission. That's even including the methane slip, which we need to be aware of. So we have the infrastructure, as, as Louise mentioned, we've, met, we've, we've built this up over decades. Why on earth are we then not following suit and, and entering this, uh, call it this LNG phase, which I certainly see as being the one phase, probably of many, uh, we see that uh, that LNG will be one of more solutions in the future, uh, but the future is still not here. So why don't we grab what we can what we can take today and then move on to other other areas when the time is right? The time is clearly not not right now. But as I said initially, we need to do something. Uh, and sitting back doing nothing, we're simply moving backwards. Spiros. Thank, thank you, Svein. Very, very clear. Thanks. Thanks a lot for your uh, um, uh, clear ideas. I would like to make the same question to Farid. CMACM is also uh, an important player on this uh, market and has taken similar decisions. What was the key uh, for you to unlock uh, this uh, and not remain steady, as we said before, because we have to keep moving or going backwards, as Svein said before in the end? And so hello, everybody. Thank you for um, giving me the opportunity first to, to be there and speak with everybody. So um, yes, uh, we are a player in uh, the LNG space. And we, have, we will have 32 vessels that will be operating by, uh, by 2022, uh, most of them large size container ships. So uh, um, why, why LNG and CMA? I mean, three things. Number one, it's a long story. Uh, before we ordered our uh, flagship, the CMSC Jem Jacques Sade, the 23,000K, 
We did seven years research for LNG in our technical arm CMA ships. So we have been preparing ourselves with our partners for that. Uh, and uh, that's, that's important to say because it's mean that internally the culture uh, on LNG was building up and the experience and the competencies as well. Um, number two, um, why LNG? Because we think today that it's the most balanced choice between environment, between, with health, between health, economic viability, operational efficiency. So if you look at those four parameters, you find that LNG is the best balanced choice today. And uh, um, also an important point, uh, environment is at the heart of a strategy or CEO has been, has been taking position loud and clear about, uh, about that. So again, LNG speaks for itself because it's come as a solution today. And uh, finally, um, I would like to join all my colleagues by, by the necessity to act now and not to wait. And certainly that LNG is uh, the, the best solution today. And uh, again, there is an urgency to act and um, we think that LNG is the right choices. And also, and then we may touch on this later on, there are uh, next steps in LNG. Biomethane is certainly one of them. Uh, liquefied biomethane as well, e-methane also. So there is, uh, there is a lot of things coming down the road for LNG. So in the future is there also for that, uh, for, that, uh, for that energy. And again, I would like to, 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 to comment on what Peter says. Uh, LNG is also a, a work of collaborations. Uh, LNG would not have been possible for CMA without working very closely with our partners. Our suppliers, of course, engine makers, uh, all type of uh, uh, studies and engineers, port authorities as well has been helping us a lot in regulation. So it's a collaboration story as well as an individual story. So um, again, so I would like to thank you for that and I'm available for any questions. Thank you, Farid, very clear. And the, this, the, the way that you uh, put things is bringing me directly to a question to Shell and Tahir, because you said we need collaboration in order to make things happen. And it seems that Shell has been one catalyst in this uh, sense by their strategy regarding uh, future ships that they charter or, or and operate, the availability of bankering and LNG around the globe. So Tahir, can you please uh, uh, give us your, your, your views? Everybody's waiting to hear from you how we can solve the chicken and egg problem that was for, for years and you seem that you have the solution. Thank you, Spires, and thank you, Capital Link, for having me in, in this auspicious panel. Um, I'm privileged and honored. Maybe I'll start with uh, something that not I, not anybody else, but somebody who cares a lot about the environment and has seen uh, caring a lot about the environment is Bill Gates. He wrote in Financial Times last month Think of climate as a bathtub filling up with water. I really like that analogy. Uh, and if we do nothing, the bathtub is filling up fast, knowing that it can only hold so much water. This is why the panel that you see here, and this is why Shell also has taken the decision to move to LNG. Uh, we have as we're not only a fuel supplier, but we're one of the largest uh, tanker charters in the world. And we've take the, taken the decision to charter 60 plus dual fuel tankers to move our products around the globe. 
all Shell's new charters are now dual fuel. And obviously the backdrop to this historical decision is the belief that we must act now to reduce emissions. I think you've already heard a lot from the panelists. Uh, there's comfort in the capability of this fuel. It's not something new. We've used LNG for propulsion in engines for many decades uh, through LNG carriers, but now the application has evolved to uh, the, the container ships, to the tankers, uh, and to the Roros. So the panelists here are now telling you that they are using it and it's working well for them. And I think two things that echo for me the most, I think this is not a vendor customer uh, relationship. This is very much a partnership, not in the legal terms, but in terms of just how you actually execute this and adopt this and make it happen. The people on this panel and there's teams of people underneath it that have been working night and day to work together to bring all of the vessels that are now in the water or already on order through a, a fantastic collaboration, an unprecedented collaboration actually in the shipping sector uh, to make it happen. Why? Because we have a unifying belief that we need to do something, we need to act and there is a better option on the table but it's not a perfect solution. So how do we perfect it? What are the things that we need to do to improve it? So methane slip, as was mentioned by Swine, is something that we need to address. But even with methane slip factored in, it is up to a 21 to 25%, depending on which calculation you use, improvement in the emissions. So the question isn't, is LNG the solution? The question is, why isn't everybody adopting LNG when you know that for people, for planet and for profits, it works. It works now, right? So picking on Peter's comment, for the profits, it is a cheaper fuel than your conventional fuels. Yes, it takes more, it costs more to uh, have the capability added on the ship, but because it's a cheaper fuel, and if you consider the life of an asset for 20 years, the economics actually make sense for it. For people and for planet, it is absolutely, in my mind, unacceptable to not choose LNG if you're building a new vessel. Now, for current vessels that are already on the water, it doesn't work, and we need to do something for that. And all of my customers keep telling me, how can we do better? Farid doesn't stop telling me, how can I improve the footprint of my current fuel fleet as well? But we also need to make sure that all new builds are coming in, are coming in at an improved level. And in my mind, and in our belief at Shell, it is a no brainer and it's a basically a zero risk investment choice to make because everybody expects regulators to move towards a some sort of a, re a regimen where your CO2 footprint will get penalized. In that environment, when you have LNG as a fuel that is obviously has a better environmental footprint than any other fuel that's on the water today, you're automatically getting an uplift from that whenever that happens, right? But so to me, it baffles me that the world is still not moving to LNG and anybody who's chartering new vessels or building new vessels that are not on LNG, we should ask them, why are they making that choice? because it makes no sense 
from a people, planet, or profits perspective to do that. Yes, LNG is not a perfect fuel, as, as I admitted, right? It's not a zero footprint fuel. And that's what's causing some hesitation. But again, the, this panel has already talked about the fact that it is something that is cleaner than anything that's available today. And the cleanest fuel, the zero carbon fuel doesn't exist. And it has some time for it to come to market at commercial scale. Until that happens, LNG is the best solution. And as Fareed mentioned, there are pathways to make LNG an even more cleaner fuel where the CMA, CGMs, the ATs, the international seaways and the NYKs of the world have to do nothing more because the biomethane molecule or the synthetic mo methane molecule is exactly the same as the fossil LNG molecule. So the ship that they've invested in can burn either of those without any changes being made to their, the, their vessels. So if you think about a 20, 30 year life of this asset, which is what we're looking at, if we order something now and we are able to continue to improve LNG's profile and capability with biomethane, with synthetic LNG, as, as those become available and they become commercially acceptable, because it needs to be economically attractive as well. The shippers have to do nothing it's just the fuel suppliers have to now divert the fossil fuels into these other alternate fuels. I don't know when that will happen, but at least it shows that there is a pathway for that to happen. Here, thank you. Very, very nice. Uh, we have already a lot of questions. It is obvious from the panel, but we will try to, to go to them in the end. Of course, always the financial issues are uh, being requested. There is a, a higher investment for the equipment of an LNG fuel ship. But as you already gave the reply, there is a, a quite a, a fast, let's say, return on that investment. So definitely much less than the lifespan of the asset. So their questions are already there. But nevertheless, yes, decisions are not being taken. Let's go to a little bit more of a technical aspect, because in order to make this happen, as we said, we need cooperation from all parties, ship owners that need to do it, that want to invest on that. Uh, charterers that would like to give some premium, would like to, to lead the way of, of going, of, of transporting, transporting the goods, let's say, in a more environmental friendly way. But we need also the technical solutions. Matthias, can you give us a little bit of your views regarding LNG. It is a fossil fuel, as we said. So it is many, many people say that nothing new, it is still fossil, so go out of it. And then of course, uh, we have the methane sea. What is technology? How we face these kind of things today? Can we be, and, and will it be better or, or will be further improved? Thank you, Spiros, for the question. And thank you also, Capital, for inviting me to talk about this, this topic, which is very close to my heart. Um, going, yeah, directly taking the bull by the horn. So uh, the methane slip, obviously, uh, our our company is continuing to to further decrease the the methane slip of the engines. And and I mean, here here to know the future, you need also to understand the history and and one reason uh, why we have been able to reduce the methane slip as much as almost eighty percent compared to to twenty thirty years ago when we launched our gas engines is that. When those engines came out, they they were they came to the market to tackle the NOx issue, and, and they were diesel engines we designed to run on gas. 
whereas the, the engines that we have launched the recent years and the engines we are developing today are engines that from day one are designed to run on gas. So it gives us completely different opportunities to optimize the methane slip. And that's why we've been able to really cut it down. And we're continuing and we're confident that we can, we can bring it down even further. And then on top of that, we're also looking eventually at that possibly doing some, some after treatment of the, if there's a final slip coming out. But as, as Tahir and, and the rest of the, the panel uh, has mentioned, even if you get rid of the methane slip, uh, fossil LNG is still fossil and, and you have a, a, a CO2 footprint. So um, of course you need to do something and, and um, Tahir especially mentioned uh, the options, but also Farid. Uh, about bio LNG and, and synthetic LNG. And here I really think the elegance and the beauty is that you can already today, and it's already happening yesterday, you can blend in at any ratio, zero to 100. You can, you can blend in bio LNG, you can blend in uh, synthetic, should be renewably made, of course, LNG and uh, any day. and and your existing uh, operations will not be, be changing. Your engine will not notice uh, methane is methane, as, as was mentioned. And that's really really the kind of beauty and, and, uh, and fully agree also that makes, makes a strong case for, for LNG. But we, as, as a technology provider, we are not stopping there. We, we also know that, that we, the future is, is a question mark, which, which of the future fuels will really uh, become major ones? Will we have local variations? And uh, so we are also looking at what can we already do today on both, both the engine, but also the complete fuel system. So what, what should we think about today when selecting materials, when, when designing the, the whole system on board to be ready for a possible midlife upgrade of, of the vessel and then incorporate possible other fuels. So at least give the confidence to, to the ship owners that they don't end up with stranded assets 10, 15 years into the future, but there's at least options open to go into, into other fuels. And, and this can be done. The, the fuel system can be designed to be quite ready for ammonia, even possibly for hydrogen and, and methanol even. So there are, there are possibilities and, and the engine is extremely flexible that one can, can burn both liquid fuels, it can do, burn gas in, in both the auto and, and the diesel cycle. So it, again, a bit of an elegance here that, that the, the LNG and, and DF platform with the fuel system correctly designed is, is a perfect platform for, for starting the journey already today, blending in bio, eventually synthetic or then going into these fuels which no one no one of us knows which one it will be and, and but, so these are these are things that we as, as technology providers are are looking into and I'm spending quite some time in, in trying to figure out what the technology will be thank you Matthias so I invite you to a parcela to reduce even more the prices so more financial will be there and you will uh, accelerate the investments on that respect. I, 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 as simple as that. Simple as that. But definitely we have seen, uh, apart of joking that probably due to the lack of new buildings, the prices in general have been squeezed, probably not regarding the systems themselves, 
but uh, in general, the new building, so the gap between a, an LNG dual fuel system in respect to the same vessel without um, a dual fuel system could be reduced in respect to, uh, to the past, probably because, for instance, shipyards have a little bit uh, trying to be more competitive also on the traditional part of the construction. But nevertheless, this is an, an open invitation. Let's say we have a lot of people, uh, you cannot be committed, but you can arrange later. Uh, okay, I go back to, to Tahir in order to uh, a little bit push more on the side of the infrastructure of the bankering and the synthetic and bio LNG production. Does Shell have any particular plans on that? Uh, do you think that you are you will be investing more on this production? You touched a little bit before. Could you give us a little bit more information? And are you looking also to other like LPG or these kind of things? No, that's a good question, Spiro. I think, and again, uh, we have to. Uh, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, it's, it's remarkable that uh, my partners here have moved forward with LNG, but they've moved forward with LNG with a belief and a trust that we will do more, not only us, but other participants. Total is investing in the space as well. We are investing in the space and we're growing the, the, the network that is necessary. The beauty of this, of LNG versus any other alternate fuel is that it, LNG is already available in more than 150 ports around the world. Now, today, bunkering happens in over 700 ports, uh, but we don't need to provide LNG in all of those locations. If I focus on the heavy emitters of uh, emissions, those are the large deep sea vessels in the water. If I focus on those deep sea vessels, you need LNG capability uh, at, 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 a, at a material level in let's say 15, 20, maybe 30 ports, right? And I ask my customers, where do you want LNG uh, to make your choice to move to LNG so we can develop that capability accordingly. And we are doing that. And we're intent even within the next two years to double our investment and infrastructure. And you've seen some of the announcements we've made recently. We believe that if we cover at least that network, it will be able to uh, it will be able to at least serve the primary segments, the containers, and you've seen again the the reason why CMA CGM has taken more assets is because they see more of that network developing. We started out just with Rotterdam. Now we've got Singapore. We've got uh, the U.S. We're looking to develop other locations. Uh, in, in Europe, basically Northwest Europe and MED is covered. You've got Asia developing Singapore as the starting point, but we're looking to develop capability in, in the Asia, Eastern Asian uh, coastline. And it's not just us, other participants are now uh, also developing that. And you need others to come in. It can't just be Shell doing it. And the beauty of what we've seen recently is that many are now entering the space some on pure speculative basis without guaranteed supply on the other side, knowing that this is where the market is heading. So good news is that there is a network that is developing and we are committing to increase the size and scale of that development. When we talk about the network, I mentioned already that LNG is available in these locations. All we need to do to make LNG available for the marine sector is invest in what I call the last mile, which is a bunker vessel, right? We can go up to a conventional infrastructure, load molecules from there and show up next to a customer. 
So the jetties are already there. The, the storage tanks are already there. The, the LNG is already available, right? In all of these major locations. So the, the transition to LNG, as complicated as it might seem, the reason why it's taking so long, but it's actually quite simple. Um, so it, it's, it's very doable and it's happening and the market is moving and the scale and growth of that infrastructure, there were hardly any bunker vessels available in the water in 2017. We're gonna have uh, between today and in the next three years, three times that infrastructure available. So the scale and capacity of bunkering capability is increasing at an exponential rate. So, it, and, and we're, 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 we're leading the charge there as well. You mentioned about bio LNG. It's an early stage fuel sparrow. So uh, we're again, working with our partners, including uh, people on this panel, CMA, CGM included, where we're looking to bring those molecules to market. Now, bio LNG is not like fossil LNG. Fossil LNG is cheaper than conventional fuel. Bio LNG is not. It is much more expensive, right? But there is a pathway to bring it to market. We are actually setting up, we've in, invested in infrastructure in Germany, where we're looking to actually bring bio LNG to market. It's primarily for the road uh, market, but we're gonna see if we can actually capitalize on that and see if we can bring it to market for the marine sector as well. And if there is uptake in the marine sector, where we will certainly scale up that investment. And we are looking at capabilities across Europe and elsewhere in the world to do that. Great, that's very good news uh, here. Thank you very quickly because time is running and we, I would like to go back to the, these four people that have done really uh, things regarding LNG. But before going there, a question to, to Matthias. Uh, do you think Varsila is also looking at other technologies? Do you think that this could be I mean, technologies of fuel uh, systems. Uh, what are the plans of Arcelor on that? And do you think that the competition between these, the, the race of these two fuels can stop, let's say, investments, uh, can be competing one the other? Very quickly, Matthias, sorry to press the time. I'll try to answer that, that question quickly, but uh, I mean, when you, when you look at these other alternative fuels, uh, if you just look at the molecule of, of hydrogen and ammonia, it's, it's a beautiful mo molecule, it has no carbon. But you need to zoom out a bit, you need to zoom out and, and look at what is consuming it. Is it a fuel cell or is it an engine? And you need, need to, to see and, and understand, can that consumer consume that fuel to 100%? Or will there be a mix of, of this fuel and some other fuels to be able to actually convert that, that, that fuel into energy? Uh, we do foresee that at least in the beginning, uh, there will be a mix uh, running 100% on ammonia or 100% on hydrogen is, is, is maybe not possible, uh, at least in the beginning, because of uh, engine development still, still uh, in a very early phase. And then you need, when you know that, you need to zoom out again and look at your vessel systems or your fuel system on board and, and, and look at how many fuels are you going to carry on board and, and what will that impact for, for your vessel design. And then you need again to zoom out to look at your bunkering operations. How many different fuels are you gonna bunker? And, and sometimes I'm missing in these discussions that people are only looking at the molecule or looking at the global availability of say, for example, ammonia. Yes, it's available in the world, but it's not 
already bunkering infrastructure with class legislations and, and CMOPS rules as we have for LNG today. So um, it's work ongoing. Uh, we don't know yet the final answers. We, there is no one silver bullet for all vessel segments for sure. We will see different, different uh, alternatives and, and also based on regional maybe availability of the fuel, we will see different alternatives. Thank you, Matthias. Very nice <clears throat> for that. Um, I would like to go back to who really took these decisions of this kind and, and, and tell us how uh, we, you have told us already before that uh, the ways that led you to take such a decisions, we have talked very briefly about return of investment, all these kinds of financial aspects, technical aspects. But going back to routine operations, let's say, I would like to ask Farid, you have done uh, bunker, uh, bunkering operations. You were on the headlines for the ship to container ship operation in Singapore. Is it easy? Is it complicated? Would you recommend? Of course, I would recommend. I mean, um, uh, as Tahir said, it's a well-known technology. I mean, uh, we have done more than 140 or 50 CMOPS operations in Rotterdam and in Singapore. So it's easy to do and it's easy to perform. Of course, you need to align all stakeholders, but uh, as soon as it's done, um, there's nothing uh, to, be, to be afraid of. On the contrary, it's a, it's a very safe and well-known technology. And uh, that, that, that just, just I want to rebound to what Tahir said about uh, expanding the infrastructure and what Matthias said about the importance of infrastructure infrastructure, you have to put yourself in a shipper's shoes. We, we need, we need to, 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 to operate and to operate efficiently. And to, to, in order to do that, we need infrastructure and not only a molecule. And LNG is getting there. In order to have an efficient market, you need an efficient pricing mechanism and you need uh, efficient operation. And we are having this by having many participants getting in. And we have a global footprint expanding. So, so in a way, um, it's very important to, 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 to remember that, that we need to have a kind of flexibility for the shippers and LNG is providing that. And of course, we will ask for more, but we are on the very right way. And so that's one. And last things, I, I don't want to forget the ports. Ports are extremely important in the CMOPs and in all the supply chains. So again, Ports are critical with the support for LNG. And last again, you need an efficient market and you need future. Again, I want to reiterate, reiterate that biomethane, liquefied biomethane and later on synthetic methane is part of a drop-in solution for existing assets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Farid. Thank you for that. Um, going back to the real operations of every, uh, of every day, uh, we have also to face a lot of regulatory issues, operational issues related to port authorities, classification societies, um, uh, all the other, let's say, regulators that are around. Do you think, Peter, I go to you for, uh, if you can take that question. Do you think that um, you are satisfied about uh, what is the, the, the regulatory framework as regards all the stakeholders around your operations to permit you go for LNG or for innovative solutions? Uh, thanks, Asperger. Uh, I'll try to answer this question without um, roughing too much feathers here. Uh, it, it is a sensitive question. Nonetheless. Um, I'll put it very mildly. Uh, it, is, it is sufficient. 
it is sufficient, um, it is uh, adequate. But that I think we need more. I think we need a better uh, regulatory framework. I think we need regulatory framework that is encouraging, that is very assertive, and that is that um, are very practical. And and the, the as the, all the panels have mentioned, the uncertainties, the uncertainties is what causes the delays for people to to to, to take actions. That all the panel says that there's there's a lot of owners out there which are still waiting, and uh, and and the waiting is because of uncertainties. I think the the regulatory the regulatory bodies can play a very important role. They can play a very encouraging role. They can play a very uh, assertive role uh, through strong regulations. Yes, all these regulations will come with a cost, nonetheless, uh, like any other regulations that have been introduced earlier. But the question is then, who's going to bear this cost? In our opinion, the, the, the cost, let the market dictate. Let the, let the demand and supply dictate. At the end, the cost will be passed on to the consumer, whoever who bear it, the, 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 the customers or the, the owners. At the end of the day, a regulatory is required in order to encourage, in order to take away the uncertainties. And I, I think that that is important for the industry and for the planet in general. Thank you, Peter. Very clearly said. That's an important aspect. And let's hope also for international regulations. Fragmentation of regulations is creating much more complications to decisions that are to be taken. Europe is always trying to run faster. Let's hope that we will be aligned to the common goal. But we have not touched up to now another aspect, which is the human element, human capital. Ships are run by people, people are on board, people are sore. I would like to ask you, Lois, uh, on your vessels of uh, LNG um, fuel vessels or other vessels, let's say, what is your plans? How do you uh, face this kind? Do you need particular training, uh, sensibilization of your people? We had a long-term uh, relationship and, and joint venture with NAC, a lot of Cutter. And so, you know, we are experienced in, uh, you know, training. And I think seafarers today are increasingly sophisticated and we invest a lot in training. And I think everyone on this call does. And it's the same thing with the shore side. So, you know, shipping is becoming, um, you know, more sophisticated and we really, hope to be able to retain our people and we believe in training everyone to make sure that we're able to handle the new fuels very efficiently and safely. Thank you Lois, that's very, very important because in the end of the day the, 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 the tools are there but uh, even when we speak about unmanned vessels in the future or things like that, some people have always to be behind, I hope. Anyway, I, I would like to we are running out of time. We have only three minutes, if I see properly my clock. I would like to go to Zwein and uh, ask him, uh, you already mentioned in your previous uh, presentation uh, about the bridge. How long, Zwein, with your wisdom, tell us how long you think this bridge could be? You have a lot of innovative, it will bring us to 2050. What is your opinion? That's a, that's a very good question, Spiros. I don't think anybody can really answer that question. We had our first LNG proposed vessel launched back in 2016. 
um, uh, to follow up on what Tahir said, um, we uh, and also also Peter, um, we had we needed to 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 build a bunkering vessel as well, simply because there was nothing around. So we did did that to to be able to supply our two two PCTCs running in in Europe, uh, which will now be increased by another three within the next couple of years. But I do think what I'd like to say to that question, Spiros, is that we're dealing with a lot of ignorance around. We are, we had a problem when we started introducing uh, LNG into certain ports. There were questions about explosion risks, uh, bunkering offshore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we had a number of questions. I think one of the reasons probably why there is this resistance with LNG today is sim simple ignorance. People do not understand, they do not know, and they're always looking for something better at the end of the rainbow. Um, uh, other fuels will come. There is no doubt about it. Um, uh, but to say how long that bridge will be, is extremely difficult. Some will say that hydrogen is here within, hydrogen ammonia is here within five to 10 years. Let's not forget what Tahir said. It's taken decades to build up the uh, LNG infrastructure globally, and we're not done yet. It takes decades to get uh, uh, legislation in order uh, for, for the maritime uh, community to be operating on a global basis. It's going to take a lot of time. So whereas we can dream, we can hope for other solutions in the future, I, I say again, why not take what we have now and bring it forward and then let uh, technical development decide how long that bridge is going to be. It's very, very difficult to, 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 to say how long it's going to be, Spiros. Yeah, remember, remember Bill Gates' bathtub. It's filling up and we need to slow the flow. Exactly. <laughs> And talking about flow, Tahir, I would like to close this because we are on time and I see Nicolas okay, already signaling for, yeah. for uh, arriving to the end of this presentation that I hope has been useful and uh, gave some very clear messages uh, of solutions. But talking about flow, I would like to refer to Heraclitus of Ephesus, a Greek philosopher who says everything flows, tapandari. So I think uh, this is a part of our transition. Everything is flowing. And we have to understand and do now something for this, to be part of this flow. Thank you, Nicholas. Back to you. Thanks to all. Well, thank you very much. It's been a, a terrific panel. And I have to say, you have all been very passionate about uh, the role of LNG uh, and the future of it. So if you allow me, I want to thank Spiro. I want to thank all of you. But I would uh, allow me to, to close by also uh, congratulating Lois for the uh, great news that have been announced recently about uh, the merger with Diamond S. Uh, and uh, now you will be having a much bigger fleet. So if you allow me to ask a closing question, uh, do you think that LNG is going to play a bigger role for fleet renewal, not just for your company, but overall for the industry? Yes, yeah, I, I, I absolutely do, Nicholas. And, and you've seen uh, you know, some uh, very strong independent owners go ahead and order uh, dual fuel vessels, uh, e even um, without the support of a partner, um, you know, a major oil company like Shell. So, you know, I do believe that that will happen. Thank you. Well, I just want to say thank you to all of you for being with us. Thank you again and uh, have a wonderful rest of the day.
Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you.